Chronologically Ambiguous is a weekly podcast by the Snarky AF Advice column hashtag AskMissyK where we discuss all things related to intentional age fishing and radically defined self-love, from fundamental rights to feminism, holistic self-care, body positivity, banishing fuckboys, canceling ass clowns, financial literacy, and mental health. We hope to help women become more empowered through knowledge and information to make the most self-beneficial choices ever, whether they're in America, Africa, Asia, in the Middle East or wherever you are you definitely matter. Join us every week at www.askmissyk.live. Chronologically Ambiguous Episode 7, How to Pivot Away from the Pain Points Trigger Warning Listening to this podcast episode could result in painful awakened truths about past trauma, newfound strength and potential, and greater resolve to dig into the trenches and restore your faith in coming to peace with the deep. You are not a victim of circumstance. You are a master of your domain. You are not hostage to your pain or a slave to suffering. You are a fun lover about to stake your claim, on life, on love, on your share, and then some, of the good that's rolling out abundant right now. Cause Lord knows we've already paid our dues in pain. So look at some of these I'm not statements and decide who you are again. Put together some powerful I statements and walk forward without all of the baggage and shame. Always condition yourself to replace counterproductive I'm not reactions with the self-actualizing affirmation I am. The two most powerful words in the universe are I am. The question you may be asking yourself is why is that so? It is the meaning of God in action. Exodus 3:14. God said to Moses, I'm who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites, I'm has sent me to you whenever you use these words I am in front of any statement or declaration it becomes more powerful. These two words can have a major effect on your life. I am also the name of the God in you. I am that I am. I am that I am is more than a name, it has such immense power, and it is a statement of God's being. It is said that man is a temple, and within man is the temple of the heart where you can find God. It is also said that the part of you that connects directly to the spiritual realms is called your higher self. That part of you is in touch with the divine being which transcends our everyday consciousness. Gaining the consciousness of your higher self works wonders in your life. Understanding the connection between what you think about yourself and how it manifests in reality, is key to this concept. Connecting with your highest self, the one that is directly connected to your source is what allows us to really speak empowerment into our lives through such sacred knowledge. Speak IT and declare IT. Every time you say, I am one with God, you are actually claiming the gift of God to you that is a life filled with meaning. Every time you fight fear and every time you entrust your life to God, you are actually lengthening your life. Limiting disease, resulting in good health and leading to a more sensible life. Speaking all the positive things that you want to attract is key. Speak I am followed by the feeling or action or statement that declares your blessings. Even if you do not see the evidence of that affirmation being true just yet, know that with your words you call forth a positive intention for yourself. Having faith means that you can declare yourself worthy of being all that you desire. I am is so powerful because it is not, I will or I was but instead I am in the present tense so that you may immediately be all that is behind your words and intention. And so it is. The power of words. Words have an immeasurable significance. With words, God was able to create the universe and everything in it. When you say I am, it could only be said by none other than yourself. You are I am and this is your real identity. By saying I am you are announcing the presence of God within you, 
and you make your destiny and fate by the choice of words you attach to that I am. Remember, whatever you attach to I am, you become. It has the power to free you if you know how to use it. Accept the fact that you are inspired, loving, harmonious, peaceful, happy, and strong. The power of these words will resurrect these qualities within you that have gone dormant as you try to fight for your survival. This is the reason why affirmations are so powerful. Creating affirmations that empower you to be who you want to be and feel what you want to feel creates energy that is positive and moving forward. When we complain, we are actually confirming and attracting that energy just as much as we call forth positive energy through optimistic, joyous words. So break out of the bondage. Cut the tape. And stop listening to those outdated tapes in your head. It's so vintage to believe in a way that's gone wrong, in a way that's never gotten us anywhere good, in a way that's been tried and never true, in a way that clearly only serves the purpose of suffering and if we so choose and really, we do have that power and can take that initiative and make that conviction, we can step out of it now, bust loose from those chains and never look back again. Your past is your past and contrary to what you've heard, it's not gone. It's part of you. It lives in you. It's part of what's created you and makes you who you are. But it's the perception of the past, and the creative sifting through what it means to us, in other words, judgment, that keeps us tied to a rock, or enables us to move again. Listening to the voice of reason that tells you that all that you've done, and not done, and all that you've managed to be, or haven't been, is all that you are, that these are the reasons for your lackluster or your low libido for life and that these reasons are your reasons for being or not being are not reasons to live. The reasons to live, to truly and fully get out there and go for the gusto, to grab at the wind, are written all over the land. There is much coming forth in the way of excitement, exuberance, extraordinary, and exalted fancy whims. You have to feel your way beyond this other stuff though, to believe that this other is. So set down your not worthy, your pledge of allegiance to suffering and its kin. Soup up and set your speed at cruise control, cause we're about to go for a spin. And as we're cruising down the fabulous lane, smile and wave at all of the markers that are indicating the complete opposite of what the restriction would have you believe and allow them to shift you into a place of freedom again. Forgiveness is called for here. We must forgive ourselves for refusing to love, for refusing to respond to the cries of this soul part, and for refusing to acknowledge, accept, and appeal to the wound that is now revealed. We must let go of resentment towards others and forgive them for the parts we projected onto them as our dramas prevailed. We, in an effort to keep the demons intact and locked away, have taken to the task of town criers for the wrongs that have been done upon us rather than resolve the mirrors they reflect of the wrongs we have done upon ourselves. We must forgive the regrets of all the days and duties gone by and sit with compassion for the parts of us that just couldn't be slash do, whatever it was we longed for and didn't know why. We must sit and hold love for our wounded watering hole of rejection as we hold the space to see that it was us that needed most to receive us and that any and all rejection that was perceived was only pointing us back to this initial wound in the role of victim and wounded solder that we came to play. We must accept that we have agreed to play this role this time, though certain vows or creeds, but we must also welcome that we can set that down now, forgiving past pains, and be made new in the image that our truest self of selves reveals. Meditation connects you to your higher self. When you breathe in and begin to connect to your higher self, a limitless potential opens up. Meditation enables you to realize various abilities and creativity you didn't know existed within you. Practicing with a group is helpful, it enables you to focus on stillness and the present moment. 
There is this energy now unfolding where all of our deep, dark secrets are coming to the surface to be seen. It's time to come clean. And the universe is taking no measure to pull back on pulling all of the stops until we move forward in wholeness and in peace. But to do that we have to move rather than get frozen in the reflection of our pain. We can't let it wash us away. We get stuck, too often, in shock, in terror, in overwhelm, in the thick of the pain. That's why nobody wants to go there. They fear that if they do, if they let out the stopper, if they go to the deep, then they surely will never escape. But we have to believe that we're stronger than that, and the way forward is to exact and extract the pain, not get swallowed by it or altogether avoid the deep. The beast is being summoned for a very precise and specific reason at this time. 4. In the eye of the beast is the peace and the part of you that most needs to be received. You are being called to look into the eye, into the heart and the soul of your deepest self, and hold space for what has been most unquenched and most unlovable. And in the hour that you can hold the light for this part of yourself to heal, and hold the love for the essence of this aspect to be revealed, you will again be reunited with the innocence that has been missed since this peace was concealed. Up and out and forward. Let it come, let it go, and then continue to move through your day. And not everything will always get solved in one sitting. So, here's a thought, why not put a marker there, in that spot where the pain has bubbled up and oozed over, acknowledging that it's a real thing, but taking the liberty to say that it's something that doesn't have to get ya, and that getting paralyzed by it isn't the way to save the day. And so, you will be seeing lots of cause for confirmation and correction, as your path opens doorways for you to see ever clearer into the why and the how and the what of all that you no longer need to bring forward on the path, ball and chain. And what may appear to be awful or shocking as you glimpse its unveiling is a gift in disguise because it is doing its blessed job of showing you where you stop the flow, where you stop living in life, where you show up as less, and therefore what you need to put to an end. This is about digging up the bones and sitting with them. Skeletons in the closet fall free to make room for a new wardrobe, not one that will hide the bones of the past but that will adorn all of you that has been kept in check. There are many themes at play going back to Oedipus and Animus, going back to father, daughter or mother, son, and how we got to be the me that we are and what we're still living now based on what we perceived then. So this has to do with martyrdom, no doubt, faux show, and it has to do with power through the aggression of silence, a favorite martyrdom trick. It has to do with placing the hand of balance and power, or rather the unbalance of, in the realm of disparity and victimhood. This has to do with what we learned from what we witnessed rather than what we were told. This is about role responsiveness, carrying on and out the models that were played out for us by our authority figures, the ones that taught us what it means to be a wife, or a woman, or a wife, or a child, or a father, or a husband, or a man. This is about healing the wounds that made us, and seeing into a window of how they became the wounds by witnessing ourselves living them out again, and again. It may appear shocking to see that we have fallen prey or still subscribe to some of the notions or misgivings that we do, but if we didn't, if we weren't still, then we would be free already of the chains that have bound us to the bottom of the boat still afloat at sea. To some degree, we are still out there, still chasing these ghosts, or adhering to their haunting melody. We are still our father's daughters and our mother's sons, and we are still very much in pursuit of liberty. So the question remains. How does one look the monster in the eye and survive? You simply decide that you will. You dedicate, first, to opening up to see, clearly and fully, what is staring you in the face and determined not to run away. But rather than getting lost and swallowed completely by the pain, you hold the space for it in compassion and dare yourself to go deeper. 
You must dive in order to get to the heart of what has kept the demon and trickling down demonic behaviors of soul sabotage and self-hatred alive. And in the depths, you are sure to find some certain and strong elements of self-loathing, deep-seated beliefs about being unlovable or unworthy, most often one and the same, and, sadly a need to seek justice through the self-corrective behaviors of punishing the one who feels the shame. But what makes you bigger, and big enough to face the monster, aka the pain, is that you decide and summon the strength to not become frozen by this profound, overwhelming, and quite possibly horrifying terrain. Here is where the greatest courage lies, and it's a little-known secret, so if you've made it this far in this extra-long post, you've rewarded yourself with the key. Many before you have gone up against the Godzillas within, some do it in one fashion or another every day, as those parts of them that are ready to be revealed and reckoned with refuse to lay dormant and the way that they've done it thus far becomes obsolete so they're no longer able to sustain the survival mechanism that has been in place. But how many are able to look at the beast and go on with their day? I'm not talking about denial or running away. I'm talking about facing these fears and this pain, and accepting that it's there, but not letting it get in the way. A perfect example of a whole damn country ignoring a perilous pain point. A friend of mine was speaking of her visit to China and she said that their culture is based on balance. This is the premise on which they believe life should be based. But she said that she doesn't even think that they know that the sky is blue because it is blocked by such a thick layer of smog. It appeared, she said, that even though their culture's basis is balancing, they don't seem to be achieving it as a way of life, or as a way of being that affects the whole. If you find that you are following your practice and your path and are doing all of the releasing and the clearing and the mindfulness and applying the principles in which you believe yet your life is presenting a much different picture, your sky is inhibited by a thick layer of smog, lack of abundance, inability to thrive, thwarted power, lack of pleasure and joy, then it's time to adjust your current level of focus, grab some stilts, and see from higher ground. Maybe we ignore our own pain points because we're used to it like China's used to chronic smog that covers the sky. May we both write it off as the cost of doing business, so to speak. I must admit that I've often struggled with how do you write about pain points ethically? How can I talk about the problems that I have yet to completely solve myself without making myself and my audience feel bad? These are literally million-dollar questions as our culture becomes more aware of how our snarky AF smarty pants think pieces that are fueled by social media marketing and trendy messaging of mental health issues affect individual readers by hindering them and helping them at the same damn time with no rhyme or reason. And as responsible content creators as we need to begin to take more ownership over how we want to make people feel along the way to becoming holistically healed within their own unique truth. Here's the conundrum, though. There's that old advice to agitate their pain points. For clicks and views. And then there's the new advice to not talk about pain points because it's inherently manipulative and you might end up getting cancelled even though your heart is in a really good place. But. We know these pain points and problems do exist in all of our lives, right? Because that is what our Ask Missy K services are there to solve. We help you heal the pain points of aging before you're ready and help you buy more time to get it right before it really is too late. So, what's the right answer? Do we ignore pain points? Only talk about positive feel-good shit, all the time? Or is it possible to talk about the problems we can all collectively solve without making our audience feel triggered and depressed? Personally, I think it definitely is. Okay, let's get it now. So moving on. How does emotional pain affect you? It's easy to assume that emotional pain only affects your heart and emotions, 
but that's not entirely the case. Emotional pain can affect your entire body, including your brain and other body functions. It's important to remember that the mind and body are interconnected. Your thoughts cause emotions that result in actions. If you're thinking of sad thoughts, you might find yourself crying and experiencing sadness. From there, you might get tissue paper to blow your nose, order a tub of ice cream, or fail to practice the common self-care ideas. Your actions might be positive, neutral, or negative. However, with emotional pain, the likelihood of self-neglect or poor judgment-making skills is more commonplace. When your heart is broken, you can barely get up, and it aches all over your body. This type of emotional pain, if not managed effectively, can lead to physical symptoms such as nausea, dizziness, muscle pain, and a whole lot more. When you're dealing with emotional pain, you also have a higher tendency to be irrational and impulsive. You can make rash decisions out of the pain you're feeling, and it can have power over your life. How to deal with emotional pain 1. Stop shutting off your emotions. It's a human tendency to want to shut off your emotions and numb yourself from feeling the pain, but you need to stop doing this. The more you repress your feelings, the more they will feel out of control. Bottling up emotions often leads to the explosive release of them. And that explosive release can damage relationships, make minor problems more complicated, and create more emotional pain in your life. It would help if you let yourself feel your emotions no matter how badly it hurts. Shutting off your emotions might feel good initially, but it won't do you any good in managing your pain. You can only cope with emotional pain by feeling your pain gradually and learning to sit with those feelings through guided meditation or yoga. You can't manage pain by distracting yourself and pretending it isn't there. You'll likely have self-sabotaging habits so that you won't feel a thing if you shut your emotions off. However, you should also know that shutting off the pain will also be shutting off the possibility of happiness in your life. And isn't that exactly what you need right now? 2. Move your body to curb emotional pain. There are two types of distractions you should be aware of, self-sabotaging distractions and healthy distractions. If you need a distraction to manage your emotional pain, it should be through healthy distractions such as physical activity. There's no better way to deal with your emotions than by moving your body and giving yourself the endorphins and dopamine you need to make yourself feel good. Plus, these happy hormones genuinely do make you feel better after you've completed your workout. You'll be surprised at how much you can make yourself feel better and manage your pain by moving your body in any way possible. It doesn't have to be anything intense since something as simple as yoga or running can reduce the emotional pain you feel. Physical activity is the best way to get out of your head and avoid dwelling in whatever emotion that's currently destroying you and making you feel stuck. 3. Don't play the victim. No matter who's at fault, even if you were the one that was hurt and betrayed in your story, you shouldn't play the victim if you think you are one. Telling yourself, you're a victim makes you inferior to other people. It makes you feel and act smaller. If someone badly hurts you, you need to realize that you're not a victim, but you're a survivor. You can always change the narrative of the story you experience in your life. They may have hurt you, but they only have power over your emotional pain if you choose to give it to them. After all, you control your emotions with your thoughts. If you change your thoughts towards something more positive, your emotions will change alongside them. No matter what happens to you in life, you're not a victim. After you declare yourself a survivor or accept that sometimes things outside your control will happen to you, you'll be on your way to managing your emotional pain. 4. Find something to spend your energy on. Instead of dwelling on your grief, 
loss, or negative experience, you can choose to do something productive to help you heal from your life challenges and obstacles. For example, after a trauma, many people manage their PTSD by running the rage out of their body that consumes them or punching a heavy bag to release the extreme tension building up within them. While not everyone likes to exercise, this is an effective way to cope with extreme emotional pain in a healthy way. If your emotional pain is much less severe, you can choose to find a new hobby, focus on your career, or do something you've always enjoyed doing. Even when it's hard to get up and away from lying in bed with your emotions, you owe it to yourself to distract your mind with something more positive. For example, if you've lost a spouse or life partner to illness, you might choose to do a good deed every day in their memory. By doing an act of kindness every day, you'll regularly start thinking about positive things that will help you heal emotionally while still doing something to remember them in their shining moments. You might volunteer for a charity they believed in or an activity they loved, so you always keep their memory close to you. While sometimes emotional pain makes it hard to get out of bed or do anything at all, remember that doing those little things every day is something worth celebrating. Not everyone can face the day after dealing with a difficult situation. So if you can, reward yourself by doing something you love. And if you can't, look for little moments you can do in bed, like sending someone a positive message from your phone in bed. When you help other people, even when you're struggling yourself, it slowly builds you back up because you see your hope shine through the darkness. 5. Stop retelling your story. Talking to a mental health professional has many benefits to help you cope with a difficult situation. However, when people don't find a therapist, they'll often tell the same story to every person they meet. Not only does that make you relive the pain of what happened to you repeatedly, but it also mentally exhausts your friends, family, and those around you by dragging them into your unresolved emotional pain. A mental health professional will teach you how to look at your situation differently and help you find new coping strategies for dealing with your suffering. Instead of getting stuck in your grief, loss, or mental agony, it's time to get practical about dealing with your emotional pain. Your emotions will always be valid, but sometimes we make ourselves feel that badly because of guilt. And until we address it, we'll always mistreat ourselves and punish ourselves for something that happened beyond our control. 6. Start journaling your emotions. One of the benefits of journaling is having a way to let all your emotions out without the fear of judgment or criticism. Starting a journal can help you reflect, analyze, and change your emotions to get unstuck from your emotional pain. Having a journal with you can be a platform where you express your feelings and negative thoughts unapologetically without being conscious of your emotions. You can also choose to start a gratitude list or have journaling prompts to help you productively process your emotions and thoughts. By shifting the focus from emotional pain to gratitude, you look at your life event from a positive perspective which helps you heal. 7. Let yourself cry to deal with emotional pain. There's no reason why you shouldn't let yourself cry and break down. No matter what anyone else says or what your mind tells you, there's no weakness found in crying. Allowing yourself to cry helps your body release the toxins through your tears. And if you pay close attention, you'll notice you often feel slightly happier after a big, hard cry. That's because you've released the toxins from your body. Whereas when you don't cry, the toxins stay within you, keeping you more depressed. Don't fear another person's reaction to your tears. Crying is a normal response to sadness, frustration, anger, and mixed emotions. By allowing yourself to cry, you productively respond to your feelings. If you feel like crying, it's best just to let it all out. 8. Give yourself time to heal. 
Just like physical pain, you need to let yourself heal from emotional pain. It's just as terrible and difficult to deal with as having physical symptoms, which means you need to practice self-care to feel better. However, distracting yourself from your pain will only do more harm than good. When your emotions pile up until you can't handle them anymore, you project your feelings onto someone else. Don't pressure yourself to feel better immediately, especially when you've been through so much. Significant life changes take time to get used to. It might also change how you view the world. For example, a war veteran might always view the world from the lens of safety, am I safe? So, while you can still do things to release the negativity from within yourself, understanding that some challenges require more work is an important step in your journey. 9. Talk to someone about your emotional pain. When your pain becomes too unbearable to handle, and you don't think you can survive it, talking to someone is a way to deal with emotional pain. Talking to someone doesn't just mean opening up to a loved one but also talking to a counselor or therapist. A mental health professional will help you incorporate healthy coping and defense mechanisms in managing your pain. Nobody should have to be dealing with emotional pain alone. If you think talking to a professional would help, then you shouldn't hesitate to do so. If you find yourself getting carried away by negative thoughts, speak to a professional immediately. 10. Meditate on your emotional pain. Lastly, the most effective way to deal with emotional pain is to practice guided meditation. There are lots of YouTube channels where you'll find meditations to help you cope with grief, trauma, breakups, or even simply emotions. With dozens of meditations on various emotional topics, you'll find a meditation to suit your needs and budget. While meditation can't replace therapy, you can do it in conjunction with therapy to help you in between sessions to reflect on your situation with gratitude, inner peace, or hope. Emotional pain can feel as present and overwhelming as physical pain. Even if challenging, healing is possible. Painful emotions are real. They exist on a scale of intensity and can come from seemingly small losses to life-altering tragedies. Depression and grieving can cause you to experience emotional pain, too. While sadness can be a part of emotional pain, many other persistent emotions are associated with it, including despair, anguish, feelings of emptiness, anger, hopelessness. Getting through emotional pain can feel unlikely when you're feeling it intensely. But it's possible, and you can find relief. When to seek professional help for emotional health. Emotional pain is real. What you feel is valid. Research from 2020 suggests emotional pain activates the same regions of the brain that are associated with physical pain. The experience is very similar to injuring your body. Just as you might consider seeing a healthcare team when physical pain becomes unbearable, sometimes emotional pain requires the same level of assessment. Speaking with a professional can help when painful emotions make it challenging to complete daily tasks, interrupt joyous occasions, impair basic levels of function, impact your relationship with yourself and others. Three in the moment techniques to cope with emotional pain. In addition to professional help, you can also implement techniques that help you deal with emotional pain as you experience it. The idea is to try to focus on the things you can control or how you might address pain as it happens. 1. Try to avoid false beliefs that lead to more suffering. According to Stephen M. Sultanoff, a clinical psychologist and professor from Irvine, California, sadness can evolve into intense emotional pain or depression when a loss is followed by negative thoughts. 
Sultanov calls these thoughts after the comma beliefs because they tend to form after the event that led you to hurt. With the death of your partner, you think, my life will never be the same, he says. This, indeed, can be true for you, and it's a natural reaction to a significant loss. But sometimes, your thoughts can fuel your emotional distress if you rely on assumptions or generalizations that may not be based on evidence. For example, thinking that you can never be happy again might be what you feel at the moment, and it's valid. But this is something you don't know will happen. Sultanov explains that dwelling on this type of thought could lead you to experience even more intense emotional pain. By becoming aware and reassessing the negative thoughts that come from your pain, you may be able to cope. 2. Putting a name to what you're feeling may offer relief. Putting feelings into words, often referred to as labeling, may help diminish the intensity of negative emotions. A 2007 brain imaging study, part of a series of research efforts into the benefits of labeling emotions, found that expressing what you feel in words activates areas of the brain that can slow down the emotional cascade. Try labeling emotions in spaces such as private conversations with friends and family, sharing your experiences with a support group, talking to your pet, journaling. The idea is that you describe how you feel as much as possible. For example, you could say, my chest is heavy, and I feel vulnerable and confused. You might also want to ask others to help you create a circle of grief. This can allow you to vent while getting the support you need. 3. Consider mindfulness-based practices. Mindfulness is being fully present and aware of yourself and your surroundings. The concept can be applied to various everyday activities, from meditation to eating. When you're feeling emotional pain, you can acknowledge the thoughts and behaviors you're experiencing. Then, try letting them go calmly. Overall, research suggests a correlation between cultivating mindfulness in your life and maintaining a sense of mental well-being. As it relates to managing physical and emotional pain, mindfulness has been identified as an effective method to handle both. You can practice mindfulness at your own pace during key moments of the day, such as waking up, sitting by yourself, completing any task, waiting at a doctor's office, traffic light, making morning coffee. This means that you'd focus on what surrounds you in the moment or on every detail of what you're doing. This helps keep at bay thoughts that may fuel your emotional pain. As part of your mindfulness practice, you can also try grounding exercises. These can help you step away from negative thoughts and intense emotional pain to focus for a moment on your physical sensations. How emotional pain points can cause physical pain points. Trying to address the physical causes for chronic pain is not always sufficient. According to Sarah Irons, Massachusetts and registered clinical counselor, the body-mind relationship can be coined as a condition medical practitioners call mind-body syndrome, MBS, or tension myositis syndrome. Dr. John Sarno is the one who founded the movement, and has written several books explaining the condition. The basic idea here is that our minds are capable of creating many types of physical symptoms in the body. Whether that is back pain, shoulder pain, or neck pain, the mind is a powerful contributor to the aches and pains we experience. And while many doctors claim that these symptoms are all in our heads, Sarah Irons points out that these are real headaches, real physical pain, real digestive distress, and so on. But their origin may be fundamentally emotional. A great book that touches on this subject of mind-body pain is Waking the Tiger, Healing Trauma, written by Peter A. Levine. As children, 
Many of us grew up without parents or caretakers who were able to help us process whatever difficult things happened to us. But as children, we rely on our parents to help us make sense of what's going on, after all, they're our main source of trust. When we don't get that support, we do the best we can. We find ways of coping that develops protection mechanisms against frightful scenarios or feelings. We internalize by keeping quiet, or externalize by acting out. With wild animals, dealing with trauma is completely different. Take a gazelle who has just been chased by a cheetah, for example. Let's say the cheetah didn't chase the gazelle, but the gazelle is still left with the trauma of being chased. They instinctively deal with their trauma by quite literally shaking it off and getting on with their lives. This doesn't work the same way in humans. We don't have ways of discharging trauma and stress, and so instead, it builds up inside of us and we repress it. Western Society Not Set Up for Healthy Healing This largely has to do with the way Western society is currently structured, without ceremony, and without understanding that we all need different ways of processing trauma and stress, or even excitement. From a young age, we learn these feelings are not welcome for to express around other people. Sarah Irons put it very well, we learn, before we even know what we are learning, how to shove our feelings back down into our bodies. And it's this repressing of emotions, pain, sadness, and even excitement, that causes real, physical pain. Instead of processing your anger or hurt feelings, you get a headache. Instead of dealing with the fact that you've taken on too much responsibility, the weight of the world manifests as shoulder pain, feeling weighed down. While certainly not all physical pain is caused by ailments of the mind, it's important to get in tune with your body so you can distinguish between emotionally based issues and physically based ones. If you've been making changes to your diet for years, but you're still having problems, maybe it's time to look a little more inward. New scientific proof. Even science is finding links between the way the mind affects the body, physically. A new study published in Psychology Today explored how emotional trauma can be just as responsible for chronic pain as it is physical injury. According to Dr. Suzanne Babel, chronic pain is defined as prolonged physical pain that lasts for longer than the natural healing process should allow. This pain might stem from injuries, inflammation or neuralgias and neuropathies, disorders of the nerves, but some people suffer in the absence of any of these conditions. Chronic pain can debilitate one's ability to move with ease, may hinder their normal functioning, and the search for relief can lead to pain medication addictions, which compound the problem. Chronic pain is also often accompanied by feelings of hopelessness, depression, and anxiety. She goes on to say how physical pain functions to warn a person that there is still emotional work to be done, and it can also be a sign of unresolved trauma in the nervous system. Sound familiar? This is exactly what ancient Chinese medicine and Ayurveda have been saying for centuries. 10 Types of Physical Pain Linked to Emotional Stress What body parts pain you the most? Use the guide below to find out what you might need to work on and how you can break through to release the tension. Helping heal the body simply through state of mind is a practice many of us are not aware of, but is possible. 1. Pain in the Neck If you have a pain in your neck, you might have issues forgiving yourself and or others. Your neck is where you hold guilt and self-recrimination, according to Reiki practitioner and kinesiology expert, Lori Diascenso. If you feel like you're having strong judgments about yourself, now would be a great time to start making a list of all the things you love about yourself and others. If you feel guilty about something, come clean. 2. Pain in the Shoulders After her 26 years of bodywork experience, and a decade of teaching yoga, 
Dara Simon of Trinity Wellness has a deep understanding of body-mind connection. According to Simon, tense shoulders could be a sign that you're carrying too much weight of the world around with you. You take on more responsibilities than you can handle, and the stress of trying to keep up is getting to be a bit too much. Try slowing down and not taking on so much. Take some you time every now and then, and believe that you're worth your time, just as much as everyone else is. 3. Pain in the elbows. If you're experiencing elbow pain, it may represent a resistance to change in direction. Perhaps you have a goal in life that you've been putting off, or you're resisting it for some reason. Maybe you don't trust your own path and goals, and are resistant to accepting new experiences. Try bringing down your walls a bit and open yourself up to those new experiences. You've only got one life, so live it. 4. Pain in the Upper Back According to life coach and self-help author, Rhonda DeGost, the upper back has to do with feeling the lack of emotional support. You may feel unloved or you may be holding back your love from someone else. If you're having some upper back problems, and you don't sit hunched over at a computer all day, you might want to try opening yourself up to love. If you're single, because you feel like you're unlovable, now's the time to get back in the dating scene. 5. Pain in the Lower Back Rhonda DeGost also mentions pain associated with the lower back. According to DeGost, the lower back represents worries regarding finances. Perhaps you have a fear of money, or fear not having enough. Or maybe you fear material loss. Whatever the worry is, your lower back could be suffering because of it. The amount of money you have has nothing to do with the pain, it's the fear of your own survival that amplifies the pain. 6. Pain in the Hips According to Lindsay Simmons, owner of Empower Healing, tightness in the hips could mean you fear your future, fear relationships and aren't quite sure of how to move forward in major life decisions. Having trouble at work, or in other interpersonal relationships? You might be holding that energy in your hips. This is a message to your body that you need to move on an important decision, and stop stalling. 7. Pain in the knees. Your knees represent your ability to bend and flow with life. They are the power center of your legs. If your knees are healthy, they bend easily. If not, they are rigid and painful. Rightfully so, if you're a rigid, non-bending person, your knees will also be the same. Rigid knees often go hand-in-hand hand with those who are stubborn and ego-ridden. Learn to ease up a bit and be humble. 8. Pain in the ankles. Our ankles represent support. In comparison to our feet and legs, they're incredibly tiny and fragile, and yet enable us to stand upright and walk. Our ankles reflect the support we depend on from others, and the support others depend on from us. When we feel unsupported, or that we're not being a good enough support, our ankles might feel the blame. 9. Pain in your feet. Similar to our ankles, our feet are what carry us forward day in, day out. They're also what ground us to the earth. If your feet are experiencing more pain than normal, maybe you need to tread different terrain, try something new. Or, maybe you just need to sit back and give your feet a break. You can't accomplish everything in one day. 10. Pain in your hands. According to Lori Diashenso, hands reach out to others. Are you stifling your need to reach out and connect with others? If your hands are tied you might be getting involved in other people's emotional matters a little too much. You need to realize that people are only capable of saving and helping themselves. While you can be a support, empathy is great, giving it your all, and trying desperately to change or help a person will sometimes backfire in the end. As adult individuals, 
One of the top three pain points that we struggle with is the lack of money that we need to facilitate the upward mobility of ourselves and our families. So your work for today is to take a look at the wounds within you surrounding survival, surrounding finances, surrounding faith. So much of this is deeply intertwined, so to heal one is to heal the other. When we do not feel like we can trust in a God or in our higher selves to take care of the stuff that is beyond our means or beyond our reason, we do not feel that it is within our grasp to survive. When survival is always in question, it leaves little room for the thrive. We have to move out of the first chakra need to get needs met and the pain of not having them met for so long or so far in order to travel on up into the other energy centers of pleasure and play. That is what we're here for after all. We're here to enjoy the good stuff. But in order to relax into life, we have to set down our conviction that we are not worthy, that we are not capable, that money is evil, or that richness will always be an arm's length or a million miles away. Shift into a new mindset by taking some time with your money wounds, with your survival issues, with your insecurities, with your doubt and unrest today. By loving these places within you and offering them reassurance, by offering them a new perspective that relies on faith, by seeing that living on a shoestring brings you the benefit of living wisely, you shave away the scabs and the culmination of what you've believed in that has gotten you to this place. Shifting your beliefs takes you to a new place. It offers you a window into another world where scarcity is scarce. You are blessed. You are abundant. And life may not offer you everything you want but it always offers you everything you need. Believe this. It will take you into a realm of possibilities that offers you solace and rest. Rest for the weary is warranted. And a life spent in turmoil over needs met is one sure way to get worn down. As long as you are carrying the chip on your shoulders of never having enough you trump the probability of what wants, and what is, flowing your way. You are in proverbial denial when you walk around saying why not me, when will I ever have enough, why can't I get ahead? The answer to all of these questions is to get out of your head. Sink into your heart and love those spaces whole that has carried the burden of always coming up short, always seeking more, and never feeling good enough. You are the more, you are the plenty, you are more than with those not rose-colored glasses of perspective, you can see. Allow for the healing in this area of your life today as the doors to abundance come flying open and the riches you desire find the loophole to come your way. Remember, it's not about the dollar amount or the mother load, it's about the perspective. Shift that and the shift will take care of the rest. Do not be limited by what has slash hasn't happened so far. Those details are no longer necessary in the biography of your life that is being revealed. Those aspects that you turn to, the ones that have shaped you, do not define you. They are not, nor have they ever been who you are. Who you are is much deeper, and it is the deeper aspect that you seek. For in the deep is your essence, but in the deep, you must also come to terms with, and therefore seek, the pain of the wound that has kept you at a distance and has deferred you to the belief that you are the sum of your experiences and that you are only as good as the reflection of what has been held in your perspective so far, old stories, or are only as much as what's been mirrored back to you for you to see. What is mirrored to you in your life, as all of your experiences unfold, as all of your relationships are engaged, is the wound that you at some point must heal. So take the feedback that you have gotten or are getting from life and take heed. Look at the wound. Go into it and bring the salve. Go into it and hold the space with great compassion for it to heal. Until you can forgive yourself for believing the stories that have created limitation until you can forgive yourself for standing in your way until you can forgive yourself completely and deeply, all of the reflections that mirror your wounds will remain. Because no one out there has caused your pain. Your pain is there, 
inherently for you to see, that this is your work in this lifetime, this is your thing that you came here to heal. So get on with this work so that you can get to the good that's beyond it. Take the light that is shining down upon you and the rays that reach beyond the brokenness that you perceive and let the hope of the new dawn set on your rising soul so that again in the magnificence of you you can believe. Days like this are truly cause for celebration. When stuff comes up for release and stares you straight in the face, when you are overcome by a trigger or suffering from its pain this means that you are given a window to heal and that in the wake of healing, to find greater joy and yes, of that wonderful and well sought after thing called peace. And you can reach that not by continuing to run away or leave the hidden left uncovered, but only by the courageous act of facing the deep. So go on, take a little look under the blanket of what seems so big. Have a little look-see under the hood. Chances are you'll discover that it's really not so bad, that you are ready for it to come out of hiding, and that once it does it brings with it the discovery of what you've missed. Because within the darkness lie not only the pain but also the treasures. Within the wounds are the keys to your every wish. Lying there uncovered are the trails to blaze and the territories uncharted, and you, in your newfound adventure boots, must traipse across the land of the great unknown in order to find the most basic elements of the you left uncovered that remains. No pieces or parts left behind. You'll know what I'm talking about when you get there. Just climb in. No you won't get swallowed. And know that once you take the leap, you'll be forever changed, in a good way, of course. Just let the residual muck fly off of you as you chase your stories on down to their themes. Bring in a healthy dose of love, then add some more, and soon you'll sew up the seams. Operation Undone has begun. Have faith that there is mercy, that there is a purpose, and that you are most certainly on your way to the top of the mountain to claim your peace. You're just making sure that all of your steps are solid as you climb up the ladder, and days like today are just days of securing the footing of another rung as you come undone so that you can, at last, find your way to whole. If you're finding that your needs aren't being met in your relationship now, it's a direct reflection of needs not being met then. If your needs were not met then, in your childhood or in your past, chances are you've attracted that perfect someone or some many who's done an excellent job of reflecting that bit lip syndrome when it comes to communication or expressing your needs. These are the holes in your lining and what keeps you going under again and again. Here's what needs not met reflects lack of compassion, lack of connection, lack of communication, and ultimately, lack of communion. In a nutshell, when you hole up and cut off in order to self-protect, you perpetuate that pattern of lack through inhibiting your connection with another. In order to fill that hole and be whole, we have to connect. You have to allow yourself to come out of that hardened shell and open to the experience of love and trust. And if you're tired of falling into the exhausted old roles and uttering the well-rehearsed lines of martyrdom and victimhood, this is your time now to move beyond the fallacies of the false self and enter into the truth of who you've always been. The key element that you never got, the thing that wasn't reflected back to you when you were small, and maybe never since, is that you matter. And matter, you do. You may not have seen that reflected back from the eyes of the ones you've loved or heard it in so many words. But despite all the proof or the evidence that you've been in hot pursuit of that never seemed to materialize, the truth of the matter is you are enough. Do you believe that? on some certain level? Can you drink that in? Because that mirror you're looking for and that evidence you're seeking, you know, the proof that you're okay, that you're special, that you're beautiful, that you're loved, you will only ever truly receive that in your life once you elicit it from your own love for self. That's right until you love yourself, by way of just stepping into the role of foster care here. Consider yourself a stray or an orphan who just needs another chance and a solid home to come up in and a good healthy dose of love. 
until you step into that role for you, because no one else can do it for you at this point, and be the advocate expressing directly and clearly your needs, and by way of being the surrogate feeding life nourishment and support of vital nutrients you will continue to feel needy and abandoned and therefore resentful. And in that loop, nothing will change. So how do you go about this thing called love? How do you set about rescuing and revitalizing that you that you've lost along the way? You retrace your steps and go back to a place of connection with the one who matters most. You find and establish a connection with the one within. Go to her now, go to that child and wrap your arms around her. Go to her and get reacquainted with who you were then. She holds in her heart the love that was never tainted, the joy that runs like a river, the creativity that is unquestioned, and the spark of life which has been the apex of your quest. She holds within her the key to forgiveness. And that is something that without you cannot progress. As many directions as you can face outward in the name of what needs to be forgiven, the most pivotal place that you must turn now is to your own self so that you can cleanse yourself of all the ways that you've turned your back on your own inner kid. And when you go to her, you will see that she still believes, that she so adores you, that the vision of life that you hold in your heart is what she knows to be true, without any question, without any attachment to what's been or what is. She is pure and profoundly wise, as all children are in their godlike state. She knows the way forward and never doubted it. It was you that had forsaken the truth, and in the process disconnected from this place in you that believes without question, that loves without limits, that lives without restriction, that knows what it is to be a child of God and can show you the way back to that place again. Go to her now for your memory to be restored, for your conscience to be cleansed. Go to her now to believe in the wonder and the miracles of life and as you reconnect with her you will be able to let those miracles and that magic back in. Children are so forgiving, and you will find, as you look into her eyes that she sees in you the woman that she knew she would someday be, and that she's proud to be part of that woman, and that forgiveness is a given for free. She sees you fully for who you are, and not for all of the shadows you've assumed yourself to be. She sees you wholly and unconditionally and wants only for you to be bathed in the love that you are undeniably worthy of, and in this she wants you to believe now as you believed in me then. Allow yourself to be absolved from the sin of turning your back on this precious part of you, of this most sacred aspect of the you within. And as you open to reconnection with this place in you, you will feel your light shining again. Going back to this place inside and the child that's been hidden or hiding you can bring grace and love to the then that keeps you from the now and in this you can heal all of the what hasn't been. By coming to a place of forgiveness for it all, by allowing it to be perfect in what it's been, then you are removed from that pothole of the past and you are set free to create and breathe and express again. Fully, in the now place. Fully, as yourself. And all that's required is that you see with new eyes. And the miracle that wipes your vision clear is the simple and profound act of you loving yourself whole again. Be the beauty, be the light. Let yourself live again. Power plays. There are many areas of our lives, involving certain dynamics, to which we give away our power. It is necessary, and even essential, that we begin to shine our light on those areas so that we can begin to see where our energy is flowing and so that we can begin to understand what aspects are at play in order that we may reach for greater wholeness. In wholeness, we can operate at our fullest potential, and it would seem that that place would be one that's divinely guided. And though it may appear that we are glimpsing more and more incidents of that peace within our lives, we long to experience it more fully, more completely is more the rule than the exception. Because once we begin to taste the bliss and the calm of that connection, we begin to know the inner peace of that connectedness to our core and to our source through which streams all things of greatness. 
and we also begin to appreciate, on some level, that in order to remain connected we must remove that which within our lives severs that connection. Thus we begin to bring awareness to, or more likely consciousness brings about situations in which we can begin to see more clearly, the ways in which we disconnect, in order that we may regain our center, from which all things come, and remain connected. Life dramas and situations involving ourselves as players, and often others whom we've commissioned to help us better see what's out of alignment will begin to unfold in order that we may correct. See how it's all about recreating alignment? And as you begin to see this you can also then begin to see that nothing is really happening to us, but rather everything is happening for us. So then, as you begin to integrate this into your knowing, you begin to be able to watch these situations and dramas play out within your life, understanding that they are there to teach you something. And even though these dramas will often trigger unpleasant emotions, there is a purpose to this too. Negative or unpleasant emotions are there to show us that we are out of alignment with Source. It is our tendency for quite some time, or as long as it takes, to respond or react to these triggers unconsciously. Said trigger happens, rogue response ensues. It becomes habitual. It becomes something we don't even think about. It's somewhat of a switch that goes off at the moment certain situations are replayed, based on our reaction to it initially. So when it happens again, we register it as something we respond to in the way we had before. It is a learned behavior, and we view it as what is, as natural, and without question. It doesn't even cross our minds to do it differently. But it becomes painfully clear at some point that it's not working. Beyond and within our reaction to the trigger is our anger and resentment that the drama continues replaying, and at the drama itself, as well as the players who are playing it out who we blame for severing our connection. It's not our desire to play into the repetitive scenarios and as we become more aware of the scale of emotions in which we're rising and falling between these interactions, we are compelled to find the way which leads us up rather than down and keeps us even rather than scattered. We see that the event, in itself, or more likely the person who's exposing it, has caused us to abort our position within the center and we want desperately to employ whatever tactic it may take to re-engage our greater connection. It is then that we replay these situations at the helm of the ego, sorting and resorting, hashing and rehashing, in order that we may find the solution, in order that we may find our way home. Instead, we are lost within a storm of restless confusion, unable to see the forest for the trees, because the ego faces us outward in the direction of the other, in the root of the cause or the source of the pain. Our source of pain does not lie within another. It cannot be found out there. The source of our pain is our disconnection, which is furthered by our fruitless exploration of what it is that we need to name in order to resolve the pain. It is helpful at these times when we become lost and are feeling weathered by the storm of events playing out around us to first initiate a state of surrender. And though it will seem counterintuitive to disengage from the pursuit of the cause, you become aware on some level that the search is futile as it sends you more and more spiraling out of alignment. You must know that, as a rule of thumb, if you don't know the answer then it is time to give it to God. Once you have done this, once you have detached and surrendered, you can begin to regain peace and you will begin to resume clarity. What you are feeling within the desire to hold on tight and not let go is the ego's desire to remain the same. And it is sent into a state of frenzy when you decide to do it differently. And so it will take some minding of this dynamic playing out within you as you begin to pull back and surrender rather than continue to engage. And you must remind yourself that it is not your task to ace this test alone. There are answers for you, but they are not within the mind's remembered existence. As the mind seeks to learn new things, once mastered it then seeks to move on. The mind seeks new challenges. 
So if the mind believes that it has already mastered how to respond to a certain thing, it has no desire to create a new solution, and it will be unable to create one because a solution to this pattern is beyond its grasp. This is the case at least in the examples in which solutions to your dramas remain elusive. It is at these times that we must resign to doing it differently, to disengaging. Something to the effect of trying to lift something that is too heavy for you to bear. Though you may try to lift it yourself and may even give it all you've got, at some point in the presence of no results, you will decide to either walk away from the object you desire to move or you will ask for someone's assistance. In surrendering, you are both moving away from the object of your focus, disengaging, and asking for help, realizing that this is not something you can handle on your own. This is not defeat, this is wisdom. No matter how much might you apply to lifting the impossibly heavy thing, you would have come to realize eventually that it was not might that mattered. It was not something you could have moved by yourself. It's physics. So too, is it the same with the mind and its limited ability to guide us in lifting the pressure of these events and moving them out of our experience. The solution you desire, the wisdom you seek, lies within the dimensions of your soul. Until we are ready to trust in that source as a means of intelligence, we can simply release our agenda and pull away from the drama in order to get a fresh perspective. So long as we are sourcing the mind for solutions, we will continue to play out situations that we're desiring to solve. As we create the friction within our brains, literally, that keeps us torn between doing it differently, the solution, and keeping it the same, repeated situations slash resistance, we continue to create unrest. We continue to create the opposite of what we desire. You are manifesting an undesirable outcome by focusing on that which you wish to solve. Here's where the focus on energy comes into play. When we focus on the strong emotions that are triggered in response to a life situation, we know almost immediately, or instinctively, that there is pain that we wish to resolve. We become engaged with the emotion, and the situation, attempting to ultimately create peace. Though seemingly contradictory, this is always the case. We are always ultimately seeking to create peace. It is the way of the soul. And beneath every desire is the inherent search for joy. So when we engage in a drama, or a played-out situation, or with the players who are helping to create it, it is all ultimately in the name of peace. It is the way to peace where we get it wrong. The way to peace is not to search the mind for a solution to what it can't solve. The way to peace is to reconnect with the soul. As long as we are attached to the outcome of the situation being played out, absorbed in the need to be right about who's wrong and funneling energy in the direction of the dilemma, we are severing our connection to peace, and rerouting our power in the direction that does not serve. Yes, these things have come up to get our attention, but they are not about the situation and its details and aspects, or even about those involved in the play. The situation is about you recognizing a source of leaking power. And to resume power, you must ultimately learn to disengage. Once you are able to surrender and see things from an observer's point of view, you will be able to recognize the poignancy of the events and what they're teaching you. And as you have magnetized these situations to yourself in answer to your pursuit of wholeness, you have magnetized them to you with greater charge in order to get the lesson. The greater the magnitude of the pain, the more energy, and power you have poured in that particular direction over time. And as we innately know this as an energy source depleter, we respond in the fight. We resist that which distracts us from the source. We resist that which causes us pain, one and the same. Yet what we resist persists because resistance creates more energy, further magnetizing that situation to you. Ultimately, as you disengage, the situation comes to closure. 
As long as you remain immersed in the situation and give energy to the dramas, the dramas will ensue, because the whole point of the drama was to learn to disengage. The whole point of the pain that was created within it was to show the level of discomfort within the consciousness within which you remained. When you are able to retract and step away from the situation, you inherently create the space for consciousness to bleed through. Until then, you remain the distraction as you dance the dance of the drama. You alone stand in the way. As you expand further through consciousness into oneness, you begin to experience the perfection of the drama in which you'd partaken, and how exquisitely designed it was to show you the way home. The detail you'd been missing until that point, the piece of the puzzle that had been lost to you, is that none of this was really about you, as the ego would have you believe, but rather about your connection to all, that is. It is not about what you are not, but rather about what you only are. Our task is to find our way back to source. Always. In every case. So the focus must remain on constant realignment. And in order to realign you must become aware of where alignment is not. You become aware of this through your emotions which alert you in the direction you are headed. When you are feeling bad your connection has been severed. When your connection has been severed, you must find the disconnection's source. Create the mantra I am at peace with everyone and everything and repeat it often. This may appear to be the furthest thing from the truth. But it is the truth somewhere within you. Find that place of truth and sit with it. And as you do, notice how your grievances begin to melt away. That peace is within you it is not to be found in the correction of another's behavior or in controlling the situation that's playing out. Your peace is within you and can be found by disconnecting from the play at hand, releasing the charge, and taking in the new view from a neutral perspective. There, you can begin to be illuminated by the beliefs that have served to hold that energy, that charge, in place. The ghosts of our pasts are alive within us as long as we sustain, or cling to, the energy of what they represent. We are not the lump sum of all of our failed rescue mission attempts. We have discovered what we were able to do at each turn or the bin. We have ingested what our bellies could hold with each lesson that was brought forward in the name of repent. We are who we are because of it, not despite it, but we are more than that yet. We are the victory of the last standing soldier, the one who got out alive, the one who did it in this lifetime, the one who rose above the water, turned the tides, and made an example out of the beast that had left us for dead. These beliefs are built on the premise of fear, and of duality. They serve to keep you separate from whatever is causing you pain to run and to flee. But when we do the opposite when we embrace the situation or the pain, we are given the opportunity to rise to a new level. Like with the child's game of tag, come back to base where you are safe. Come back to the center and then proceed. Once you have reclaimed your power by aligning with source, all outcomes are different. Nothing is seen from the same perspective in the eyes of the one in the arms of God. Do not try to exact a solution from the mind of the one amidst the turmoil. Move to the calm, become the observer. That is where you will get things done. That is where you will make things happen in the way of moving forward and setting yourself free. Begin by bringing mindfulness to your thoughts and emotions, your indicators. Create the space to detach yourself from the need to become immersed in what you feel and think. Realize that they only have as much power over you as you give them. Then begin to notice the message that was intended to reach you. Your peace need not be affected through all of this or because of it. You need not become submerged in the negativity surfacing in your life or do battle with it. Resume your power by reclaiming your peace. Connect with the light and rise above the chaos by aligning with the joy within you. Then you will know who's in charge. Care and feeding of the soul. Don't cut yourself off from pleasure. 
You deserve the excitement. You deserve the memory making, the moments of joy, the adventure of discovery, and the satisfaction of a new thing learned. In acquiring wholeness, we must call back to us all of our pieces that have been lost, misdirected, rejected, or forgotten. It is when these pieces come home that we will again be filled with lasting inner power and peace. Everyone, even that one strong friend that's gone through hell and back and came out the other side a mogul, who you never saw cry once. Still needs hand-holding while deep-sea diving and excavating of soul parts and pieces, as well as empowerment coaching, to get that priceless head start. All of the pieces are not long-forgotten memories or deeply hidden aspects of our shadow, though they may carry traces of both. Some of them, that we may be calling back to look at now, are energies that we may have focused in directions outside of and beyond ourselves. When we harbor resentment or hold on to anger, when we begrudge or blame, we are taxing our reservoir of completeness. We are bleeding out vital nutrients of the soul. And when we realize that focusing all of that energy that these actions and emotions require is not serving us, is not solving anything, then we can begin to call those pieces home. These energy leaks create a void within us, creating a hole. And as long as that energy is focused on sustaining bitterness, resentment, anger or shame, we will continue to feel the deepness of discontent that these missing parts leave. Become conscious of thoughts, emotions and beliefs that create the void. Become aware that the concentration of energy that these elements take from us takes away from your energy as a whole. When you focus on that which is wrong, how you have been wounded, and those who have done you wrong, you are allowing yourself to be siphoned, and none of this supports you. None of this makes you stronger, makes you feel better, makes you feel right. It only serves to deplete your wholeness and maintains the self-sabotage that keeps you from being complete. Take back your power by gathering up your pieces. Call them home where they can be nestled in the truth of your light, where you can acquire the genuine resolve that you desire. The truth of the matter, the heart of any grievance is always about what is lost. No one can take anything from us. We have given away our peace and our power and now it is time for it to be retrieved. Ask yourself what has been lost, and what vital aspect of you have you given over. Release the ones you blame. Release the energy it takes to hold them in your grip. Own your sorrow for having lost your pieces and then nourish them whole. The places within you long to be watered with your compassion, long to be owned. And full ownership comes through consciousness and the intent to redirect your energy and become responsible for your peace. True peace will never be found by proving another wrong. It is found in the heart of the matter, and the heart of the matter is filled with the love it takes to embrace these pieces and call all of them home. Prepare yourself for wholeness by opening to the place of living in alignment with your soul. It will guide you in and out of all that you need to know to welcome any and all that's been missing and to see with new eyes as you become more authentically you. You are all of your pieces. The time for separation is over. It no longer needs to exist. Beckon to all of you that longs to come home and you will begin to release the barriers that have kept them adrift. You can awaken today to a new day, filled with wholeness and peace. Believe in the possibilities of completion and be rekindled by what was long lost and now seeks to light your way. Don't cut yourself off from pleasure. You deserve the excitement. You deserve the memory making, the moments of joy, the adventure of discovery, and the satisfaction of a new thing learned. 7 Steps to Making a Love, Life, and Career Pivot from a Painful Past You've been in chronic emotional pain and running backward on the same raggedy-ass hamster wheel for a couple of decades now but are finally feeling burned out in your current role as everyone else's place-holding doormat. 
You have now worked up the audacity to wonder if something more fulfilling is really available for you. Before you take the plunge into a new pool of abundant life-affirming opportunities, here are some steps to take when considering what happens next. Number 1. Embrace change. Although you may be safe in your comfort zone, you experience daily home and work fatigue and can't shake the feeling that you're missing out on better new life-enhancing opportunities that align with your truth. Change can be scary, especially in uncertain times. Embracing change and moving in a new direction can be rewarding and renew your excitement for life that you haven't felt in a long time. Number 2. Evaluate your situation. Assess your current situation, such as your interests, talents, skills, financial budget, and relationship history. Document what's working, what isn't, and what you'd like to be doing that you aren't currently doing now. Raise your emotional intelligence quotient by doing the hard inner work that you've been avoiding. Determine if your current soft skill set could translate into another field, job, or better yet, your very own personal business. Figure out if you need to relocate to get unstuck and start over. Number 3. Visualize Success Before you dive into the logistics of how to make a life pivot change, evaluate what you think happiness and success is to you in your deepest heart of hearts. Imagine what an average day in your ideal dream life would look like and how it makes you feel. What does your environment resemble, who are you interacting with, who are you not interacting with, and what types of activities fill your day? Document what would make you feel fulfilled in your ideal prosperous and purpose-filled life. Number 4. Plan your strategy. You know what you want, but now you need to identify how to get there. Whether you're looking to pursue a new life's purpose, a brand new location entirely, or start your own business, you need to devise a plan for next actionable steps and milestones to reach in order to achieve your goals. Perhaps you need to earn a master's degree or certificate to secure your ideal career. Online micro-credential programs like four-week IT boot camps provide can you with additional technical skills to start making five figures quickly, which may give you a highly competitive edge in the job market which you can use to finance your dream business faster. Any who determine your milestones and two to four steps to help you reach each milestone, including a realistic time frame to achieve your goals. Number 5. Reach out to your connections that you are in good standing with. Network with your support system and make them aware of your new desired life overhaul direction and level up plans. Ask them for positive, helpful, and non-toxic feedback on your decision. See if they have any contacts they can put you in touch with to help propel you forward. Make sure they are up to speed on your desired outcome, your advantages and disadvantages, your strengths and weaknesses, and your current skill set if you need them to pitch you for a new job opening with one of their connections. Number 6. Seek a mentor, and also you should hire a life coach. Find someone you admire or a person who provides you with reliable guidance and advice. This person doesn't necessarily need to be in your field, but someone who performs work and lives a wonderful impactful life that interests and inspires you. Perhaps this person has also made a life, love, or career change and has already experienced the fear, excitement, and uncertainty that go along with seeking new ones in a lifetime opportunities. Interacting with the curated community of a mentor or life coach may provide you with the clarity and confidence you need to make your vision of a total life change a reality. Number 7. Take the next step. It doesn't matter if it's a small step, just start your journey today and don't wait for anyone or anything to start moving towards your personal journey to greatness. You've made a lot of considerations, done your research, sought out the advice of a mentor, and networked your plan and strategy to your support system.
Now it's time to trust that if you're still feeling excited about a new life plan at this point, it's time to take that leap forward. Remember that so many notable people in business, entertainment, and content creators also had to overcome their fears of starting something new. When facing your fears, remember this quote from author Roy T. Bennett, it's only after you've stepped outside your comfort zone that you begin to change, grow, and transform. In all things, to yourself be true. Look over to your neighbor and say I am somebody. Amen. Abundant blessings of peace. At www.askmissyk.live